Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. by Habs Unfiltered. I'm your host, Treg Wilson, and I'm here uh, to talk to you about the next half hour or so about, uh, yeah, the Montreal Canadiens and uh, what's going on. We're going into a, uh, a uh, just coming out of the uh, bye week, and we're going into the trade deadline pretty soon, and uh, everything going on on Twitter and everything else is all about the, uh, the Habs and who they're going to trade and who should stay, who should go, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, um, I don't know. I guess uh, the way I look at it is like this. is uh, I don't think see Petri or Tartar, Tartar getting traded anytime soon just due to the fact that uh, I think the Habs in this reset or rebuild or whatever you want to call it uh, still want to be successful next year. And I think losing those two players kind of puts a bump in that. I think uh, during this trade deadline, you're going to see guys like Thompson, uh, maybe Byron, if he's healthy, could be an option, and maybe even uh, uh, Cousins or uh, or Wheel or guys like that are going to be maybe Scandella, uh, although only because he's an FA. Kovalchuk, I think, will be on the trade deadlock because uh, he did say he wants to... Uh, play for a contender, and let's face it, Montreal is not going to be a contender for at least another couple of years. Um, having said that, uh, I don't think we need to think that they're going to make the playoffs this year. Uh, they're uh, 10 or 11 points back as we speak. They played Washington last night, even though it was a, wasn't a bad game. It was a pretty good game, but it was the way the Montreal's has been playing all year uh, where their uh, mistakes just come back and haunt them. And, uh, I mean, there's a bad call on Domi that led to a goal, but, uh, you know, the PK still got to do its job. Uh, so having said that, I don't see anyone really getting uh, anyone big, like Tatar or Petrie getting traded. I see a lot of small moves by Bergevin being done. Uh, I know a lot of people want the reset, and they want, uh, you know, Price and Ed Weber and all that done. But uh, this is a reset, not a rebuild. And if you're going to rebuild, I say, sure enough, trade the big guys. Trade everyone involved. You know, start, go young. I mean, even with uh, Kovalchuk now added to the team, who's 37, Montreal's still, I think, sixth in the league as the youngest team at 26. So if you're thinking that they're going to uh, trade uh, Price and Weber and do a full rebuild, I, I think you're wrong. I think uh, uh, Bergevin's view of a, this reset is... He has the team good enough for the playoffs as is uh, if everything goes perfect. So having said that, 
And I'm going on a bit of a tangent here, but this is what I do. That's why I'm famous on Habs Unfiltered, or less famous than the other two anyway. But And that for the fact that I muck up everybody's uh, name and everything. But hey, whatever. I'm the whatever. Call me what you want. Say what you want. I don't care. Anyway. Uh, I, I think the, re- the reason he's doing the reset is because if you look at the team as it is now, when everyone's healthy, when Price is playing the way he is, and like I say, when everything's perfect, this is a playoff team. This is a 92 to 96 point team. Uh, this year, I believe 93 points, 93, four, 94 points will get you in the playoffs. I know a lot of people say 96, 98 because that's what it was last year, but there's been a big, big difference in uh, the way uh, things are being done. So I, I don't see this as a, uh, how do you say it? I don't, I, I don't see this year as a 96, 98 point g- team getting in at the last spot. I don't see Montreal getting it in there either. I don't see them even hitting 90 points this year. Uh, I mean, they pretty much they have 51 points now. To get to 90, they need uh, 39. So they need to win at least 20 games. So I don't see them winning 20 in the next 31 games. So going 20 and 11. I don't see it. Who knows? Maybe it'll surprise me. And that's a, that, that's a good thing. I like being surprised. But uh, it's, I don't see it happening. Um, so with this reset... And I'm kind of jumping all over the place, and I apologize for that. But with this reset, uh, uh, the reason he's saying this is because he has a playoff team now if everything goes perfect. So if you have a playoff team now, why dismantle everything and start over and become a non-playoff team uh, for five, six more years when you can become a non-playoff team for what's probably going to go into its third straight year and four in the last five, uh, which all the uh, Bergevin haters are going to love because it gives them more fuel to say Bergevin should be fired. Then all the Bergevin lovers are going to say, well, you got to cut it into two eras. I'm in the middle. I give Bergevin two more years, and if he if he, if he he doesn't have at least a playoff team slash almost contending team in 21-22, it's time to move on to someone different. Uh, but this is why this is a reset, because the team right now as it is can make the playoffs with who they have if everyone's healthy and everything goes right and everyone plays to the way they should be. Uh if someone gets injured, like a Druin, and then an Armia, and then a Gallagher, well, then this team doesn't have the depth that it needs in order to uh, get the job done. So that's where Bergman has to start adding, is to surround these young guys, the Suzuki's, the uh, Kutnyamis, the Palings, the, the Flurries, the Caulfields coming in the next couple of years, the Romanovs. Uh, you have to surround those guys with uh, veteran depth and uh, not just anyone, not just your cousins and your wheels and your Thompsons and your fourth liners that uh, Bergie seems so famous in getting, but with depth players that can, can actually play. Like Suzuki, in my opinion, is going to be the the number one C in the future with Dano, uh, maybe the second, Cockney probably a third. I see Paling moving to the wing, Domi to the wing. And that's going to start bringing your depth. So you're going to get your depth with your players. But as of now, they're just young players. And they're going to make mistakes. And they're going to screw up. When, we, when we've been seeing that, uh, I mean, Kotkinemi, Paling, those guys are all playing great. They're all playing good hockey, Suzuki especially. But their mistakes are leading to goals, which are leading to losses. And that's okay. Because that's what you get with rookies. Um, so for me at this deadline... I don't see Petrie, Tatar going, maybe Kovalchuk, maybe Scandella. Uh, Scandella, maybe not, if they think they're going to re-sign him. He, he's a hometown boy, maybe he wants to say. 
Kovalchuk has already stated he'd like to win a cup, but he loves it here in Montreal, so maybe we get rid of Kovalchuk and bring him back in the offseason. Uh, and again, is Kovalchuk going to be a point-per-game guy elsewhere? Maybe it's, you know, he's feeding off the energy of the Montreal fans who are feeding off him, and that's revigorating the uh, the fans and revigorating uh, the team and, uh, and, and, and the Bell Center, So, which is a good thing, and, and it's taking people's minds off the fact that uh, uh, Montreal just isn't doing it this year. Um, so, yeah. So, with the reset that they have in mind and with the way I think the reset is going is that they, they, they want to keep the players they have now, re-sign them like Gallagher, Deneau, Domi, and KK, Paling. All these guys got to be re-signed in the next couple of years. Re-signing them, building the team around that, and then uh, going from there. I truly believe that is... Uh, what Bergevin's trying to do, uh, whether that's going to work for him or not, I don't know, but uh, you never know. You never know what's going to happen. You never want, you never know. Uh, Bergevin says expect the unexpected. Uh, I'm expecting no playoffs. I'm expecting maybe playoffs next year if everyone stays healthy. So, yeah, I don't know. Everyone needs to stay healthy, maybe playoffs next year. Who knows? Who knows what's coming up in the future? Uh, yeah, it's uh, what are we gonna do with these Habs? What? How are these? Everyone's worried. Uh, everyone's saying rebuild or reset. It's uh, really not uh, difficult to figure out that they they're resetting, and the reason they're resetting is because they think that uh, the team they have now good enough for the playoffs, just not good enough to be a contender, and they don't want to give up the pieces like Weber and Price, who bring the leadership and bring the team uh, some uh, coherence and a, a identity because uh, fans identify with Weber and Price. And, and let's be honest, I mean, Price is having a bit of a down year, but he's not having a terrible year, and, and Weber's probably having one of his best years ever. He's a little bit slower in the defensive zone, but hey, he's getting the points, he's turning it around, and uh, just think, a few years ago, everyone wanted him to re-sign Markov at 38, and now Weber's too old at uh, 34, so take that for what it's worth just enjoy the games because they're all exciting win or lose and uh, when I come back I'll talk about uh, a winning culture and the fact that it doesn't always necessarily mean playoffs so yeah stick with me I'll be right back after this important message du, du hast, du hast mich. Have you ever needed a fragrance that matches your every social media post? Well, if you're on Twitter after dark and feel a little angry, you can wear Fire This fragrance is available on every social media site. Fire On every message board. So when you need to smell like your social media accounts take a bath in Fire You'll need no other fragrance. And I'm back. 
Yes, thanks for uh, staying with me. Uh, we're in the second half of the uh, program, and uh, yeah, we're going to talk about a winning culture. So anyone who's played sports at a high level, uh, or even at a, at a medium level, whether you're, you're young or old or whatever uh, stage you're played at, uh, junior, midget, uh, peewee, bantam, I'm not even sure I'm allowed to say midget or peewee, uh, or at semi-pro or pro or whatever who's listening to the show knows that a winning culture doesn't always mean playoffs. Playoffs help, yes, don't get me wrong, but uh, you don't always need to have playoffs in order to uh, have a winning culture. Uh, winning culture to me is a team that uh, it plays at 110% and is in a position to win 90% of the games. You're not going to win every game. Uh, if you do, you're, you're, you're something spectacular. Like it, I know it happens in some sports like football and uh, stuff like that, but you're not going to win every game. So uh, in order for you to... Uh, have a winning culture. You you have to put together a team or an organization that uh, uh, just want that wants to win, uh, even if they don't win, even if you lose games, just by a hair or by uh, 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 you know, like uh, take example Montreal's last eight game winning streak, eight game losing streak, not the first one, the last one where they they every game was pretty much a one goal game, uh, two or three of them I think uh, had an empty net goal, so they won by two, but uh, essentially it was a one goal game. In there is a sense of a winning attitude and a winning culture because the the team was in every game, the team was leading almost every game, the team was uh, uh, playing to win, they were playing hard, and they didn't give up. To me, that's a more important part of the winning culture than just winning and making the playoffs. Now, don't get me wrong, you know, I'm not saying a winning culture is, you know, losing every game but hey we tried uh, uh winning culture is built around a team that uh, uh goes out gives it every effort and uh, uh has every ability to win every game they play and i think montreal has been doing that lately uh they're not getting a lot of the wins i mean we had that eight game losing streak but they're not uh they're, they're in every game even their last night game against washington uh, washington ended up winning four two uh, again with an empty netter uh, Montreal didn't show quit. Uh, I think the second period they had a little bit of a lull, uh, and they seem to do that this year. They seem to have these little lulls and valleys and games where they just lose concentration or lose the edge, and then it comes back to haunt them. But uh, they're still playing with a winning attitude. They're still playing with the belief that they can do it. They just have to go out there and do it, and and that's that's great. Uh, and uh, what they need to do now is bring in that. Added depth that's going to uh, uh, bring that winning culture and then get the more wins. Get that finisher in there. Get that uh, left-handed defenseman in there. And that's all on the general manager at this point. And I don't think he needs to do it now. He needs to do it in the offseason. Um, he needs to get the backup goalie for price. And if uh, anyone's paying attention, there's many, 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 many free agents, uh, uh, goaltenders out there uh, that could fill in uh, at that point. I mean, we could bring Halak back, uh, Craig Anderson, even though he's 38 years old. Bring Craig Anderson as a quality backup. Uh, Mike Smith can be come in as be a quality backup. At least someone who can sit there and consistently play 25. I would like to see 35 games, and then uh, you know that way Price doesn't have to only has to play around 50 games. And uh, if Price, you can keep Price in that 45 to 50 game range. I think you're going to see a much better Price, and you're going to see. A much better playoffs for the Habs. Um, however, if you just bring in another, you know, run-of-the-mill backup goalie like Keith Kincaid or Anti Niemi, 
then you're going to have these issues. Uh, I don't think Lindgren's the guy. As a matter of fact, I've been saying that all along. Lindgren is not the guy. Other people have said he's, you know, think he's the greatest goalie that hasn't made it yet. And no, he's not. He's a, he's at best a fringe AHL goalie, maybe a backup goalie somewhere, but I, I don't see it. He hasn't impressed me at all. Uh, I just don't see the numbers. And you only need someone for maybe a couple years uh, give Primo, you know, two years in the AHL is the top dog and then uh, bring him on up. And then in two years, like I say, which I think Montreal is going to be a playoff team slash hopefully close to a contender. Uh, then you have Price and Primo playing. If Price falters, throw Primo in there. Uh, if Primo's the guy, I think judging from his first pro year, he's only going to get better as he uh, gets older. He's only 20 years old. Um, so with that, the winning culture doesn't always mean playoffs, especially isn't tanking. You have a, a really young team with, with, uh, Suzuki, KK, uh, Armia, even Denosa, not that old, uh, Domi, Flurry, Mete, all these guys, uh, tanking now is just going to show to them that, you know what, we're not even ready to win in, in, in your prime years. Like we're. You guys are going to be 26, 27, 28, 29 before we decide we want to win. And they, they don't want that. They, they, they're they there now. They want to show what they can do now. And uh, doing that is what's going to uh, propel this team as a winning team. Uh, give these kids the sense that, hey, we can win every game. We're going to go win every game. They don't, and they're not, and not every team will. But uh, at least it shows them that the team's not giving up. The organization's not giving up. Uh, we're, we're just missing it. We know what we need, and, and, and then we got to go out and get it. And that's where the GM comes into to position. This is where Mark Bergevin, in these next, this, this offseason, the next couple offseason, he really got to get on his horse and show that uh, he wants a winning team. He wants a winning environment, and he wants his teams to succeed within the next two years when all these young kids are uh, hitting their stride. And uh, if he does that, then... I think it's time for the haters to go, okay, I understand what he's doing. I think it's time the lovers can kind of clap and go on whatever, and us guys in between can go, yeah, all right, I see what's happening here. Uh, I mean, I'll go on about the GM. Uh, he's not the greatest GM. He he, he, he has his faults. He has his, has his his good points. He's great at trades. He can pick a diamond out of the rough like Dano and uh, guys like that. Uh, Dano and he got Domi. Uh, when everyone thought it was a terrible trade when it started, to know no one even knew who he was, but Fleischman and Weiss, or Weiss, and now we got Weiss back. So basically, it was Fleischman and uh, the Suzuki picking up Tartar as the extra player. Yes, he was a throw-in on the trade. He was not the main center of the trade. No matter how many people try to say he was, he wasn't. Suzuki was the main center of that trade. Uh, not that Patrick doing bad in in Vegas. I mean, he didn't have a great season last season, but Tartar's playing just as well and same with Suzuki and Suzuki's going to turn out I think to be our number one C I'm going to say that again uh so he's really good at making trades he's really good at getting like he got Kulak for nothing he pretty much got you got Byron on the waiver wire for nothing what he's not good at is signing free agents and filling holes and that's what he has to improve on over the next two seasons or this could be just a big waste of his time our time and the T's time because if he doesn't get the players he need. And this is this is the issue with Bergevin is he needed a 1C. 
He thought he drafted one in uh, Galchenyuk, and he didn't. He needed. He still needs that one C. He needs a power forward. Uh, he drafted uh, Kotkinemi because he needed center, and he wants Kotkinemi to be center, so he passed up on Kachuk, so he doesn't have a power forward. And he needs a left-handed defenseman. He traded Sergachev for Druin to be the left-hand, and he was that left-handed defenseman that they need. Uh, although, you know, with Scandella, Sherratt, I think he kind of has a good combo there of top two left-handed defense, but he doesn't have that big puck mover that he needs to to be there with Weber on that top line and to make that top line a powerhouse top line. So that's where we're uh, kind of at. So that's what he needs to do. And he doesn't have that backup goalie. He's needed a backup goalie since Halak left, really. And ah, I guess he didn't really need one when Price was playing well. But now that Price is in his 30s, he needs that backup goalie that can play 30 games and is going to... Uh, you know, do it for uh, for Price and give him the time off, not some guy that's, you know, a group of backup goalies and say who's going to play well tonight, which is the merry grounds going on now. I mean, I mean, I mean, at least we know Kincaid can score. It was on his own net, but hey, he scored. Well, you know, what the hell. So that's that's what the Montreal needs, and there's no point doing that now. Uh, they're not making the playoffs. I mean, they could pull a Columbus, I guess, and try to get all the top free agents and make a run for it, but I think that's just a waste, and they're just going to give up everything. Uh, personally, I see uh, in the offseason, Bergeron making some moves. He has a lot of draft picks. The 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 uh, draft is in Montreal. Ottawa has two first-round picks, two high first-round picks probably, especially if San Jose doesn't do well. And uh, Montreal does not want Ottawa to steal their thunder, so they're going to try to make a big move for something. Maybe it's to be another first-round pick or a top player just to, uh, you know, take the limelight, keep the limelight there in the draft. Uh, I can't wait to see it. I'll be there. Uh, so the Habs Unfiltered guys, uh, Matt Smith and Blaine Potvin, and I believe the Habilison guys are going to be there, Gibby and Louie and Vin, and uh, it's going to be fun for us. Anyway, that's my show for today. It's a little bit of rambling, a little bit of going on, a little bit of my thoughts just uh, coming out of my head in a funky way that I do things. I uh, hope you enjoyed it. I hope you keep enjoying it. Uh, thank you for the viewership. It's been going up every episode. I hope it keeps going up. Don't forget on Fridays, uh, it's going to be Habs Unfiltered. And uh, I guess I'm going to interview uh, is uh, Jason Paul from uh, the Hockey Writers. He's going to be uh, talking to us about his little program that he has called Versus, which uh, which allows uh, you to compare different players and teams and stuff like that. We're going to talk about that, and it's going to be uh, a pretty good show. So, uh Thank you for listening. It's Toxic Tuesday. Stay toxic, everybody. Toxic's not always a bad thing. And I will talk to you on Friday with Habs Unfiltered. Have a good one. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. 
Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Crier Media Network. The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jag and Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundle from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network.